This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. It is Wednesday once again. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. We're coming to you live from Austin, Texas. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with a tasty beverage in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan. Hey, Tim, I'm Juan Cicado, principal scientist at Data.World. And as always, it's a pleasure, middle of the week, end of the day. And we're both in Austin, but you're in the office. I'm at home today. We yeah. should have coordinated this, but it doesn't matter. Um, all right. Today, we have a guest who is somebody who I recently met through social media. Right, this Twitter and LinkedIn is such a cool venue to be able to go meet people. And this person started asking a bunch of questions about data modeling and, and, and just asking all the questions that I always ask myself and I don't hear anybody else asking. And I ask myself, why? And I'm like, who is this person? I want to get to know this person. This person is Ergas Chiblati. He is, uh, if you, you must be following him on LinkedIn, on Twitter. If you're not, you are really missing out. He is really on this mission to make sure that, uh, to help the world on data modeling. He has written a book about uh, minimal SQL design patterns. We're going to talk about the work that he's doing on data modeling. Ergas, how are you doing? Hello, everyone. I am doing really, really well today. It's a beautiful day out here in Boston on the East Coast. And I'm, um, I'm pretty excited to be part of this podcast. Well, we're, we're so happy to have you and so cool that we were able to actually meet up in person a few weeks ago yes. when I was in Boston. That was really cool. That was fun. Yeah. So what are we drinking? And what are we toasting for? Um, I'm having a seltzer with lime. Um, I'm, I'm driving later and I have an empty stomach, so I don't want to have anything alcoholic. Um, and I'm toasting to data models. I think that's going to be a big uh, topic today for sure. <laughs> How about you, Tim? I think so. Um, I am uh, drinking a Sierra Nevada. I think this is actually my first episode where I'm drinking a beer. So this is a milestone. I've always done cocktails or at least like something straight before. So uh, Sierra Nevada Wonderland Nectarine Ale. So looking forward to this one. Wow. Good try. Um, and then uh, cheers to uh, cheers to data models for sure. And then also cheers to, um, I, I took a vacation last week. If you saw our last episode, I was in Fredericksburg and I had a pool behind me because me and the kids were hanging out at the pool um, and that was a lot of fun. So cheers to vacations. And uh, I'm having something in, in, in honor of Ergus, who's, uh, who's Albanian, and I have a good Albanian connection, one of my roommates and best friends is Albanian. So I, uh, throughout college, I had a lot of Albanian Rocky. Uh, so I'm going to, I have to give it a name, but this is an Albanian Austin Mexican Rocky Cobbler, right? Give it a better name. So it's has wow. Albanian Rocky, it's Austin Waterloo Grape Sparkling Water and Mexican Agave Syrup with, I have a bunch of frozen raspberries and blueberries. I have to say, this is really good right now. So, uh, and I'm going to test. Cool. I'm actually having like a real cocktail, finally. I've been cheating a lot and having a beer and sort of, I had water last time. But anyways, cheers to models, the data models, to vacations, and to cocktails. So cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So warm-up question of the day. Why are data models such freaking divas? Hmm. <laughs> why are data models divas but what is the definition of, of, of a diva is, is someone who um prances around and, and pretends to be pretends to be or is this larger than life persona um and well i guess data models will fit that description um they are definitely larger than life uh given that well, I mean, people just don't really do them right. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I guess that, that's as You're far really as rolling I, with this metaphor, that's man. That's as far as I, as, as I want to take. The, <laughs> and the and th this is right on the spot because we told you this question like literally two <laughs> minutes ago. So that's actually a good one. That was really good. <laughs> right. So they, they are larger than life. They kind of like, 
consume uh, everybody's time and 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 resources on you know cloud warehouses <laughs> so yeah they are big divas <laughs> you don't give them enough attention right they really don't get enough attention no yeah. no and they require it and that's the other thing with divas they require a lot of attention <laughs> Okay, we're not starting out here on the right foot. We, we want to really talk very positive about data models right now. So, <laughs> all right, well, well, this is a good segue to, to, our, to, to kick this off. So, all right, Ergus, honest, no BS. Why aren't we talking about data modeling today? <clears throat> well, um, Juan, it's not that we're not talking about data models. It's that people have kind of changed their opinion or their definition of, 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 of data models. So you see with the current sort of modern data stack implementation, and we can talk about that later, but with the current uh, modern data stack, data models have become basically a one-off um, ad hoc reporting data set. So, you know, you, let's say you need a, a report that does funnel analysis or, or like a customer 360 and you have to build a custom model from scratch start with source data do all the transformations and get to the final result and so what has changed is people are thinking of data models as these you know oh i i need a model for this uh, uh dashboard or i need a model for this machine learning application right and, and so what people aren't talking about and what you and i talked about when we met in person is the idea of having kind of a business encompassing data model like a, a, a full business encompassing data model that contains all of the the entities the attributes and and, and the relations among these attributes that kind of make sense to any business person, right? The idea of a data model is that if, if, if I look at, say, kind of an entity relationship diagram, the, the, ER, the, the ERD, I should be able to see what is important to this business, right? So say we, we have customers, we have, say, orders, we have products, we have, um, you know, customer activities, purchases, discounts, et cetera, et cetera. So all these things are important to the business. Now, in, in the current implementation of, say, the modern data stack, what's happening is this data is coming into a data warehouse, in, into a source schema, and then a lot of transformations are happening in, in, in between. And then whenever somebody needs, say, a dashboard that has customers and orders and products, they just kind of do a like some ad hoc implementation that is unique to that specific application mm. as opposed to having you know well-defined schemas well-defined tables and objects that anybody can can query and use um, and, and build models on top of so I, I think that's that's what's happening um, these days in the in the, in the, in the industry so, so like the technology lens, whether it's the application or performance concerns, or even just the the needs of the particular person who built the model in the first place, tends to be more of the central concern. Maybe there, that's the way the lens that people are thinking about models. They're not thinking about models in terms of modeling the business. Exactly, exactly. In in uh, DBT or data build tool parlance. A model is basically a, a one-off materialized table or a view that serves a very specific purpose, right? So you take source data, you do a bunch of transformations, and then you create a model which serves a specific purpose. Um, however, what I have seen in my career is a lot of duplication of logic in these models, right? So you know, if, if, if a data scientist needs products and customers and um, something else, say web activity, they have to start from scratch. They, they, they go to 
perhaps some sort of a staging schema and they have to kind of redo all the work, right? Uh, what is the definition of a customer? What is the definition of a product? What is the definition of this? So they have to look at existing code, copy and paste logic and create their own model. And so what's happening is a lot of uh, people are creating a lot of models with a lot of duplication of logic. Um, and that's that's basically causing this like um, huge number of tables to be created in, in, in data warehouses uh, where then it becomes impossible for a new employee to come in and say, well, where do I go to find revenue? Where do I go to find customers? Where do I go to find uh, you know, products? And they, they, they have to sort of piece things together by looking at like a little bit of code here, a little bit of code there, and then they create their own model. So, so the, the, you kind of have this like loop of custom models on top of custom models, and sometimes they're joined with each other, which leads to terrible uh, performance uh, of, of, of these models and you know more cloud compute resources being used, longer times uh, for, for the models to complete. And so you create this huge, um, I, I think um, someone calls it the, the data swamp. From, from the data lake, you go to this data swamp, which is like this, everybody just throwing models left and right, right? And um, then tools like data catalogs uh, come in to kind of sort all of this stuff out. Um, I, 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 I sort of liken it to, to, to this like weed garden. You, you, you have this, your data warehouse is this beautiful garden. You start with a really beautiful garden. And after a while where people, people are coming in and just planting things all over the place for their needs. And what you end up with is this basically weeds everywhere. And so someone new that comes in, they can't find their way around this sort of this, this weed garden. But yeah. I, I, think, I think that's kind of what's happening. And then data catalog tools are, are coming in trying to sort of impose this model on top and try to sort things out when that could have been done up front. Yeah, you can you can look at the swamp and or the or the weed garden as you're kind of talking about it and make sense yeah. of it. That's obviously valuable, but like but how do you stop that from happening in the first place, right? And I, I, I think that um, you know, yeah. sometimes when you're searching a, a warehouse or something like that, let's just use warehouse as an example, right? Yeah. Maybe you can find the customer table, right? But but you know, once you start getting a little bit more complicated than that, right? Or you want to combine dimensions together, you want to combine metrics. All of a sudden, oh, I don't see what I'm looking for. Let me go add. I'm going to go plant my own plants now, right? Um, and yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, one thing that I wonder, just as you're going through that uh, explanation, I guess, is that. Uh, what what to you is a data model, right? Is, is a data model a schema? Is it, uh, you mentioned DBT, is it like schema and the transformations that may move you to different versions of that schema? I guess, what is data model from your perspective? Well, in, in traditional database parlance, you, you speak of um, like three different types of models. You have conceptual models, you have logical models, and then you have physical models. And then the conceptual model only has like the entities and how they relate. And then the logical model is uh, like the schema that you mentioned. Uh, the, it, it has the entities and then their attributes. Perhaps you have a visual diagram that shows which entities have which attributes. And then the physical model is where you take this sort of logical model that you created where you spoke to all like the, the business stakeholders and everybody kind of agreed upon the definitions of what a customer is, what what the attributes of, of a customer are, name, email, etc. And then you, you, you take this and then you impose it on top of your specific implementation uh, or, or on top of your your data and then you create like a physical model which are tables and views in your data warehouse um, that then basically have a one-to-one -one mapping to this logical model, right? So that's where a tool like dbt could come in because you can do the transformations uh, 
uh, to take your source data and to fit it in, in, in into this. So there's not really a single definition. It's more like three sort of layers of definitions. But I, I, I think once you get to the physical model, then it's just a matter of maintaining it. And, and, and basically, perhaps you have a tool that can look at the schema and generate a, a diagram automatically because you're not going to be going through all the steps every time. You're not going to redraw the conceptual model, redraw the logical model, and then actually do the the implementation. So, yeah. So, so in preparation of this episode, I actually went and got my my database textbook from <laughs> grad school. This is the classic, the complete book by Garcia Molina, Oldman, and Woodman. Uh, so I, had, I looked up right now, what is a data model? A data model is a notation for describing data or information. And I think the word modeling and data modeling, all these things are just so over, overused, right? Because a data model is, is, is a way, is, is, is a, way, a notation to describing data information. And then you have the relational model, right? Which is what relational databases are based right. out of. Then you have other types, I mean, semi-structured models like XML and JSON are also have a data model, which are three structures. Uh, RDF is a model, which is the RDF graph model. There's other graph models around these things. But then what you're saying too, is that you start talking about the conceptual, the logical, the physicals. Then we go into star schemas uh, and, and right, and Kimball Ross and all the star schemas, snowflake schemas, all these things. So words matter. So I think this is why it's important to go talk about data modeling so, and data models and all these things. But I do, this is overwhelming, right? And people mm -hmm. just get used to the ad hoc thing. And like, I, I, I need to transform data. And people say, give me data this way. And they just generate it that way. So I think this yep. is one of the issues is that the work that is happening, there is already this modeling, this knowledge work that it happens implicitly. And I think the issue that we're, that we're trying right. to do is that it should be explicit. Now, in right. your experience, right, you've, you've written your, the, 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 the patterns book. And, and you've been really thinking about this course about creating a course on data modeling. Mm. How do you start? I know I've gotten this question. I know you get this question. I know other people get this question too. People like, so I just got hired and I need to go build a data warehouse and go, how do I start? So Ergus, how does one start? Um, I guess, and this may be completely the wrong way to do it, but what oh. I have seen the pattern is you start with what you need. The business needs a dashboard. The business needs to look at the performance. And so you build your custom model and you keep adding features to it over time. Um, and eventually you reach an 800 line Gorilla SQL that does everything all in one place. And this is something that I'm dealing with today. Uh, one of my tasks is, is to actually fix the a, a ginormous 800, 900,000 line SQL that basically does all the transformations all, all in one place. Is that the right place to start? Um, I don't have a strong opinion one way or, an, or another. Like often if you are trying to be agile or trying to be nimble, trying to like keep up with, with the business um, needs, you have to start with something. You have to start with, an, with a one-off, with an ad hoc model. But as the business gets complex and this model becomes unmaintainable, that's where you uh, basically have to say, okay, hold on a second. Um, our business is pretty stable right now. We, we have processes in place that actually make sense. So let's stop and think about building a model that makes sense, that, that describes the entities that we care about in this business. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, because I have worked in startups as well. And a startup is struggling with finding product market fit, right? So if, if you come in and you start to talk to the uh, executive suite and say, oh, tell me all the entities that you care about and, and all the attributes. They're going to be like, okay, I think customer, maybe email. They don't know. The business is still very much in flux. A lot of the processes are very much in, in flux. And I personally dealt with this in one of my previous jobs where the product managers were constantly tweaking 
the processes that produced data. And as a result, there was a lot of churn. There was a lot of um, a lot of changes to the underlying data for, for, for my model. In that state, I cannot build this like beautiful model that describes all the entities that the business cares um, ab about. And, and this is if you fall, so, so, so this works if, if you're following like the traditional Kimball uh, data modeling. Now, there may be techniques out there that I haven't explored yet, which would allow you to sort of build the model as you go along and eventually end up with a beautiful model. Um, I have not seen that in, in, um, in, Realize. You are making a lot of great points, and I want to pin this, and I, I want to bring up the activity schema. I think that's something I want to touch in later. I think that's an interesting one. But you, so there, there's two ways. I'm just kind of summarizing and also bring in my, my perspective I've, I've had because I've gone through this too. Like I have gone through uh, 10, 15 pages of a SQL query, right? Like we'll try, what does this stuff do? And it works. The query runs in 10 minutes, and that generates data, and we make decisions on that stuff. But there's important knowledge that goes in there. So yeah, where, where should we start? And I, if if you are running through, if you're an organization and you want to be able to kind of start cleaning, organizing what's going on, one great way is to say, what is that report, that dashboard that people are using all the time that they they that's the only thing they have, but they don't know if it really is good or not. Like, let's really reverse engineer the knowledge, mm -hmm. the semantics that are in that query. You'll figure out what are the main things that happen in that. I think that's definitely one great way. Now, assuming that exists. Because right. sometimes it can just be in a spreadsheet and a bunch of macros in Excel, right? That's the other thing, right. Or, right? So that's one. And you've made a really great observation here is like in, a, in, another, in another scenario, like, oh, I should be able to go understand the business and understand the processes. And these are things that should be well established. But this may not be the scenario in a startup because startup is moving around. So right. is, a, is a point that for startups, you should not be thinking about data modeling, just go do things ad hoc? Um, that's a good question because like, I, I've only worked for one startup and, and I saw this, um, this pattern happen where things are constantly changing, constantly shifting. Most of the business processes were stable. I, I mean, the, the, the customer journey was mostly stable, but they were still tweaking like the, the, the beginning of, of the journey and, and some of the endpoints. So does it, does that actually mean don't build a model. Um, I'll say that a lot of companies start out that way. Um, you, I, I've talked to people where what they have right now is they have an application that's running on Django or some other type of CMS or, or tool, and they're querying the live database. They're writing queries directly on the live database in order to produce some reporting that says, here's how we're doing. Compare day to day, compare week over week, month over month. Um, so a lot of companies start out that way, sort of by necessity, because nobody's building, nobody's thinking about building a model. It's way too early. What happens after is at some point that doesn't work anymore. At, at, at some point, somebody says, okay, this is causing way too much uh, developer time to be wasted on them writing these queries and producing all of this work. So we should be thinking about the uh, uh, data warehouse. At this point, hopefully the business is stable enough that it necessitates um, moving data to a data warehouse. And once you do, once you start there, that's when you can then begin the work of doing some modeling. Um, where do you begin in, in, in that sense? you begin with this dashboard that you already have with the live system. And that's actually a great place to start because you can create a parallel dashboard with data. And this is basically what, what I did in, in my previous job where they already had a dashboard that was being fed from like an alternate ETL pipeline. We brought data in with, with a tool similar to like Stitch, uh, Stitch Data or, or Fivetran. We brought it into Redshift we ran dbt we, we we joined data and we produced a parallel dashboard we basically copy pasted the looker 
dashboard and we pointed it to the new data source and we then compared every single metric one by one. This is a, a great way to start because then you are guaranteed that, okay, you have all the data, you're not missing anything. Now you can actually start to, um, to build a model that makes sense to, to kind of define, you know, the early entities that the companies that the company cares about. In, in, in my previous uh, job at, at the startup, this was a boot camp for, for, for like, a, like a school, a boot camp type of school, that, like a coding boot camp, where you, like the entities were like student. Okay, what does it mean for a student to be enrolled in a course? Are they enrolled? Are they pre-enrolled? How far are they in the, in, in, in the course, et cetera, et cetera. So that's when those entities then, then you can actually start to build a more mature model. That makes sense. I, I think this, this is providing a lot of like interesting context about like how to approach this. And it, it kind of brings up the question for me of, uh, you know, you've seen a lot and you've really dug into sort of what some of the better patterns are around being able to do modeling and do SQL and things like that. Right. And, and yeah. kind of curious from your perspective, like for folks that are trying to build a schema on customer information or something like that, right? That's their sort of, that's their thing, their, their widget, right? Mm -hmm. um, how should they go about this? Like if you're, if you're advising like some best practices on, you know, should they start, you know, in a perfect world, like are they starting with the core concepts? Like, like depending on what model, like if they're doing Kimball Ross or if they're doing more of a entity relationship approach, like, like, mm -hmm. I guess how, what kind of, what kind of best practices would you recommend to folks who are thinking about, you know, doing modeling well, doing it right? Yeah, good question. Uh, what what I do is I will sit down with uh, the biz, the business stakeholders. It could be like a VP who's running that particular business unit, or it, it could be the, the the existing analysts that that are working on that team, which is actually what I'm doing right now in my in my current job. And I will start asking them questions. One of the first questions that I like to ask is what does your workflow look like? So a business is, you can think of it as this like um, um, workflow of steps or, 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 or rather like a, like a process that, that occurs in multiple steps. You take a customer that comes in to your website or tool or app or whatever, they do something they go through a bunch of steps, you do something, you go through a bunch of steps, and finally they buy or they, they do some activity where you make money, right? So I want to understand what does it look like? And we start with a simple boxes and arrows diagram. Okay, customer comes in to the website, customer browses for product, Customer chooses product. Customer adds product to the to the cart. Um, customer checks out. Customer gets confirmation page. Customer gets confirmation email. Okay, that's that's a that's a business workflow that can apply to multiple businesses. I start there. That automatically gives you some ideas for where to begin. Okay, so we have a customer concept. We have a activity type of concept on the website. They're browsing, they're adding stuff to the cart, they're comparing prices. You then have a transactional, uh, you have a product concept, you have a transaction concept, and then you have some kind of um, interaction with the customer. So you start there. You then say, okay, now do these entities make sense to you? Like these are the steps in, in this business. You you. Uh, they're browsing, they're, 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 they're adding to the card, they're creating a card, they're completing the transaction, etc. So I like to start there. That, like, this is a, a business process, right? And this automatically yields some ideas for where to begin. In, in, in my previous company, which was a boot camp, you don't have customers, you have students. Student comes in to the website, they look at 
the courses that you have available. They pick one that they're interested in. They fill out their information, their email. I want to learn more about this course. Okay, then we send them some some marketing emails. So there was this like very lengthy process, but at each step you have some entity and then you have some activity and then you have you know, potential other entities and you then work with the analyst you work with the business person to at least understand this is sort of the the conceptual layer right oh, these are the concepts that i care about customer customer name email uh student student email etc etc course etc etc so okay so you I, I really want to dig into this because you, you this was a really nice example of what you just went through and this is like you should be able to go understand your business. Let's literally, you said, we should go draw this out. You call it boxes and lines. I call it bubbles, bubbles and lines on a whiteboard type of song. Yeah. Um, so, so several things I want to go connect the dots here, right? One is even though, uh, even though, for example, going back to your comment about the startups, like we need to understand what that looks like today because there are things that we're going to go shift and change. We're moving fast. What are the parts we're shifting? So. Mm -hmm. Before I was like, yeah, it probably doesn't make makes sense to not have to go do all this exercise about modeling and understanding it because we're moving so fast. But at the same time is I want to know where we are today to figure out what things were changing. So I think there is an argument that startup or not startup, you should be able you should be going through this data modeling exercise. So that's one thing. Second, I think every, people are going the, the data engineers or data teams, they need to be able to go understand this, which means we need to bring in this notion of business literacy to, to, to the data teams, and everybody else. We always talk about data literacy. Yeah. But we also need to th think about business literacy because everybody in the organization, tech engineer, data person, what need to, they should be under to understand how their business works so they can be better, more productive within the organization. So that, that was mm -hmm. another point I wanted to make. Third, you said something about, does it make sense to you? Once we draw this, does this concept make sense to you? And I ask myself, how do I know if something makes sense to me as like a consumer who, or, or as a consumer of the data or a business person? And kind of things that I've seen in my and kind of my experience is if if you want to say a lot of things about that thing, if there's a if I want to describe that thing, well that then that thing itself is important. Oh, that thing has a name, that thing has an email, that thing has a birthday, that thing, oh, that thing is important to me. So what is that name of that thing, right? Hmm. So if I'm, if I'm giving a lot of descriptions to that thing, then that thing is an important concept. And second is, if that thing is important, I need to refer to that thing. Therefore, I need to be able to give it an identity. And how hmm. am I going to uniquely identify that thing, that concept? So. This is kind of the technique I've had is like, how do I, I, I how do I observe or acknowledge where the important concepts are? I'm, I'm making a lot of descriptions to that. And second, I want to be able to go identify that. So that was another point I want to make. And the final, yeah. another final point is who is doing this? Who, what is the role? Is this a data engineer? Is this a data analyst? Is this an analytics mm -hmm. engineer? Because like, I want mm -hmm. to get into the skills because actually this uh th this morning or today i woke up the, the folks from the modern data st stack newsletter the community there's a really cool community modern data stack.xyz uh they, they reached out to me saying hey juan there's this question on their community board like what data engineering practices uh, do you recommend uh to bridge the gap between producers and consumers uh so i provided my my answer there to check out the modern data stack.xyz community post but i think i also want to get into like what are these skills? Like, what are the skills that are going to survive the test of time and not just specific mm. technology? Anyways, I just ranted a lot like I usually do. So I'll shut up now. <laughs> and I'll let you go. You guys, you guys talk. Well, um, I, um, that's something that I think about a lot. Um, if, if you are going to get into any career, um, it's, it's important that you learn skills that will sort of outlast that particular job or the particular title that you can then take with you onto another job, right? And as I, I started my career as a business analyst, uh, which is this very broad term where I was doing a variety of you know, analytics, some data science, a lot of project and product management and data engineering work. And what I discovered 
is that what I really, really enjoyed, since I'm, I'm a generalist, I like to talk to the various business stakeholders and understand their world, understand what they go through day to day. Uh, what are their processes? What are their, uh, well, workflows, processes? What things do they care about? You know, finance cares about revenue and, and, and perhaps some kind of profit or some kind of cash flow. You talk to sales and they care about, well, sales numbers, volume, perhaps revenue as well. You talk to marketing and they care about conversion rates, cost, cost per customer, um, marketing spend, etc. You talk to operations, they care about something else. And so being like the being like at the center of, of, of this, I really, really enjoyed learning about the different facets of the business because being in a data role and wanting to understand the business through data provides you this really beautiful lens of kind of understanding the perspectives of the different business stakeholders. And you kind of like become, uh, it's, it's, it's the skill of empathy, right? The, you, you empathize with what they're going through you know, it, it, it makes me uh, really, really angry sometimes when I see finance people copying and pasting data from some place that they ran some reports some, some dashboard, they put it in Excel, they, they data from another location, they put it in Excel, they use some crummy VLOOKUP to kind of put data together just so they can get, they can arrive at a particular number. And then I go in and I talk to them and they've been doing this thing for six months, for a year, and it takes them three, five, ten hours a week to produce something. And I look at it and I go, holy crap, like you could have, I could have talked to you about this. I could write a query that produces this thing in two seconds and have it refresh, you know, daily, hourly, however often you want. And basically, I've 10x their productivity you know, it, it maybe took me a couple of hours to write that query and make sure that it that it matches. But I mean, I I get a kick out of being able to help various business stakeholders improve their productivity, get whatever they need faster, get to a result faster, get to a decision faster, right? So, like, I say, empathy is like this this really. It's not really about data because data is a technical skill set that you learn. Sure, you can learn SQL, you can learn about cloud data warehouses, you can learn about modeling, but at the end of the day, that stuff could all change. You know, today it's Postgres and MySQL. Tomorrow it's DuckDB um, or and 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 some kind of I don't know cloud data warehouse that nobody has invented yet. And maybe, I mean, SQL has been around for, for 50 years and uh, um, it's near and dear to my heart, but tomorrow some new language could supersede it, right? So at the end of the day, what is that skill that I can take from place to place to place? Well, it's the skill of empathy, of, of understanding the world of, of an, another business stakeholder and kind of see how can I improve their workflow how can i improve their their how, how can i improve their productivity this doesn't just apply to data analysts data scientists uh, data engineers analytics engineers this applies to regular engineers this applies to anyone in the technical field um, you know most programmers just care about learning new languages new frameworks new what have you right at the end of the day, what is that in service of? Well, it's in service of automating business processes that some, someone is manually copying and pasting and like saving and finally achieving some result. And if, if you like this sort of stuff, if, if, you, if you enjoy interacting with, with a business like I do, that is a skill that nobody can take away from you. you know? Tomorrow, wow. you could learn a new framework, a new language, new database. At the end of the day, that skill is not going anywhere. I love that. Ergus, like, he, we're both clapping on our side because this, 
you know, people talk so much about hard skills when it comes or, you know, I even think that's a terrible phrase. Like there's like these technical kind of like programming language oriented or, or, you know, technical modeling oriented skills. And I think you're hitting something that isn't so obvious, but yet if you think about it is, is so glaringly obvious, right? That empathy, understanding the business is so critical. Like we talk so much about, bit, uh, about data literacy, right? Like, oh, the business needs to understand data. But there is so much value to be tapped at the individual level as well as across organizations for data people to have business literacy, right? Right. And at the end of the day, what is a, a data model? Going back to our, to our definition, my definition is you're mapping uh, something real into bits and bytes. You, you, you're mapping a real human being a, a, a customer with their own needs, wants, desires onto a digital representation um, that you can then hopefully use to serve that customer better, right? So at the end of the day, it's it's about that customer. It's about the service that you provide. It's, it's about how you can provide that service better, right? That's why, we're, that's why we build businesses at the end of the day is to help people get things that they want or need that they couldn't otherwise get, right? Make money, save money. Make money, but, save money. Yeah, but this is, this is I'm, I want to connect another couple more dots. The empathy thing is fantastic. And I think this is something that we're not thinking about. And this is a soundbite that we need to go reuse and get, I'm, I'm going to write a post about this. We're like, this is awesome. <laughs> One thing. Second, uh, the, the, a real serial uh, entrepreneur I'm, I really follow was Gary Hoover. And Gary Hoover has this, I mean, he's the founder of, of, of Hoover, right? The DNB, all that stuff. Um, he, thought, he has this course that he gives about entrepreneurship and companies. And, and he talks companies exist to be able to go help society to go do things, what you just described. Mm-hmm. So I mean, companies are, we always think, oh, companies are the capitalists. They're all bad people. They want to go like, no, they, I mean, we exist. The companies exist to be able to go do good things and bring things. I mean, I, I mean, non-salesy here. I mean, we can talk this about data.world with episode with Brett, but like, that's why we data.world is a B Corp, right? We're a public benefit corporation. We truly believe in this public benefit in addition to maximizing shareholder value, right? So, <clears throat> so yeah. what you just said there is that you also want to make that we're putting all this data work at the end of the day is because we want to go help then customers like we want to be able to understand exactly. you and be able to give you better exactly. services and stuff and 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 the data modeling and all this conversation it's i call it like the knowledge is is the immaterial right it's stuff that's in our heads is what we think we mm-hmm. we can draw it on the whiteboard and stuff but at the end i want to be able to go tie that to the material which is literally the bits so it's it's like it, it is a, a quest of of computation to be able to combine the data the physical stuff and the knowledge, which is the material stuff, and put it together. And with that, we're able to just go do really great things for 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 your customers and also for humanity too, right? I mean, think about it in the right. science stuff. Right. right. And, and, yeah. Sorry, Tim, you had something. No, no. <laughs> go go ahead, and then uh, and then I want to uh, add something. Um. Well, the the way the way that that I like to think about sort of modeling from a different perspective is that I'm going on a discovery mission to like learn something that I didn't know that I'm going to talk to the finance person and find out what they care about and why they care about it. Well, you care about revenue because that's what fuels the business. You care about profit because that's how you grow the company, et cetera, et cetera. And so at the end of, of, of the day, like, you have to connect that, whatever this person is looking for and why they're looking for, for, for that thing, back to what you know, which is like, oh, well, that exists as a field in this table and that exists as a field on this other table. So maybe we can like, you know, draw this out and, and, and like the idea to connect the real world to the digital world, it's not all about the digital, right? That's, I, I, the, I guess to add to empathy, the, the the second, I guess skill, or 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 whatever that, that that you learn that that you take from with you everywhere that you go is that skill of is that curiosity, the curiosity, the desire to learn about how this 
particular business works and sort of compare that with previous businesses that, that you've seen. And maybe as you look at that business and you compare it to previous businesses, you go, well, well wait a minute, why are you doing it like this and this and this? Why don't you do this and that, maybe cut that step out? Oh, because this other thing is happening. Oh, okay, so you are then growing as a person yourself. You're, you're kind of like updating your own mental models in your, in, in your mind for how the business works, which then helps you in a feedback loop to serve the business better. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I love what Gordon's saying here to add the empathy. I think it's also the curiosity. What you said, it's like you're curious to know how the business works. You're curious to know exactly. what questions they have and how can I help you? And you, and you said to yourself, you get a kick out of like, oh, wow, I really helped them and they're getting more productive to that. A, a couple of things I want to go add and connect it to other episodes. One, we had an episode a while ago with Steve Whitla where we're talking about visual kind of understanding. And I think data modeling and understanding semantics, knowledge, all of this. How do we kind of, how does that manifest in the real world? Get a marker, whiteboard, and draw your bubbles and lines. I think the yep. visual aspect is really, really important about these things. And, and, uh, Humans are very so visual. So we, we're, we're visual people. And I think what's, what I tell people is like, hey, go draw it out and then go tell people. So what is a customer for you? And then they're not going to just point into one bubble or one box there. They're going to say, well, it's when the customer does this thing and this other thing. And they're like, oh, so that's your context around it. Go ask somebody mm -hmm. else and they're going to draw something else. So it's a different context. So I think that this that, that's one of the things I wanted to go say is connected. There's this episode with Steve Whitlock. Take a look at that for everybody who's listening. And the second one, you brought up the metrics and, and kind of what people are thinking about revenue. And what, what we also need to think about is Revenue is a metric, and this should be a calculation over our, 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 our knowledge, semantic layer, our business conceptual layer, whatever, right? And we've had many conversations about this, right? With, with, uh, with Bob Muglia, we talked about what is a metrics, which is a, a calculation, right? A formula, a, a function over the, uh, the relationships between your business concepts. Your business relationship between business concepts, that's your model right there, and your metric mm -hmm. is over... Is, is a function of query over that. And we also have that episode about metrics layer with Nick Handel from Transform, where I was arguing like, if we're really successful at having a semantic layer, conceptual model of business, a knowledge graph, putting this all in the same bucket here. Yeah. A metric should literally be a very simple query over that very clean conceptual model, business model, semantic layer, whatever you want to go call it. Yeah. Well, um, I, we can keep talking. I love, I mean, people, I, I talk about the knowledge first approach and talk about knowledge and this, this is my, this is, this is my passion. So I am so happy. Uh, we've been talking about this, Argus. I'm really happy we connected about this. Um, and, uh, we can talk for hours. So, but we're going to head to our lightning round. But before that, I just want to say this episode is brought to you by data.world, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. Data.world makes the data discovery, governance, and analysis easy, turning data workers into knowledge superheroes. To learn more, visit the website at data.world. And with that, we're going to move to our lightning round. we got four questions. Uh, just quick yes or no answer some context, and we, we always do this on the fly. So I'll do the first one. Should companies have a single enterprise data model? Yes. Absolutely, yes. All right. Second question. Is it a good thing that, you know, analysts, analytics engineers, data engineers, et cetera, are doing data modeling as part of their jobs, like using DBT, doing, you know, defining the transformations? Or should we really be having more like dedicated people, like data architects, you know, those types of folks that are really focused on the data modeling? Oof, that's not a simple yes or no answer. That is a, a very nuanced answer there. Um, I'll, I'll give you my my take on it. Is it a good thing? Yes, because someone has to do it. Um, are they doing it right? That's a separate conversation. Do you need data architects uh, to to help with that? Yes, at some point. Um, but um, at the end at the end of the day, somebody has to do something because it is something. Somebody has to do the modeling because it's necessary and, and, and important for the company. Someone has to do that knowledge work. That's that Somebody knowledge. has to do it. Oh, that's what I'm, I think we're 
I'm the one who's been advocating for the knowledge engineer, the knowledge scientist. There, there is this particular role of focusing on managing that knowledge. All right, next one. Should folks who are developing data models do extended rotations directly in the business? So sit next to the people in marketing or customer service or whatever, immerse yourself, or is that going too far? Nope, it's not going too far. Absolutely, 100% they should. Um, if they don't, then they don't understand the business. They're, they're just making stuff up as they go along. <laughs> you don't want to be making stuff up. Or making stuff up. Don't do that. Um, and now, uh, fourth question. So folks in the data space, especially in the modern data circles, are starting to get really excited about the semantic layer, about the metrics layer. I think, you know, knowledge graph and semantics old schoolers are like, we've been talking about this for a long time, looking in your direction, Juan. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's cool that it's hot again, right? Do, do you feel like this is the future of data modeling, the sort of semantic layer, metrics layer? Maybe it's bigger than the warehouse. It's much more conceptual in nature. Is this the future of data modeling? Well, you're asking me to prognosticate, and that is a dangerous exercise because people can point back and say, you said this, you are 100% wrong. Ergas, you said blah, and you weren't right. right. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll say um, I'm not sure that it is the future. I, I think it should have already been the present. The company that I work with right now has this thing, a version of the metrics layer, and they've had it, heck, they've had a data mesh for the past 10 years, but nobody has been talking about it. So there's, there's your answer. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's the present <laughs> and the future. And the past. I do, I do want to take the liberty going back to, to, to the, the first lightning round question. And because I saw a comment, there's, oh, the canonical model. And we've, we've, right. We talk about the, uh, I mean, the business, the one single enterprise model with these things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you avoid boiling the ocean? Like, how do you avoid going through the mistakes that we people have been going through the last 20 years, trying to go build the entire model that represents the entire organization and, and fail to go do that? My take on this is um, going back to whether you should build it <clears throat> top down or bottom up. Um, I've only seen bottom up meaning you start with what you need and then eventually you refactor and refactor and refactor until you reach a stable model. <clears throat> so I'm going to say, how do you avoid boiling the ocean? You start with, with use cases that you care about. You have a use case for um, business reporting revenue. You have a use case for a customer 360 model. Start there, see what those two share dimensions, keys, et cetera, and start to refactor, just like an engineer would, where they, they, they say, oh, I see a repeating pattern in use case one, two, and three. I can probably abstract that out, put it into a separate layer, aka the model, and then have each one of these use cases have a pointer to each one. So we go back to like this engineering um, or software engineering concept of uh, uh, do not repeat yourself, DRY, right? You you take code, and that's currently how it works because n nobody writes software perfectly from the ground up. You write software that, 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 that works, that solves a problem. Then you go and you refactor, and you say, oh, I see this function is called in three different places. I can abstract it out, put it into a library, and reference it from all the, from all the locations. I think this would would be the the more preferred way of uh of of, of doing modeling yeah i i, I like I, I, this is a great approach you brought up and the, the the whole don't repeat yourself the dry uh and i think also that's why but i mean it's, it's i mean at the end of the day it's a it's always it's a hybrid approach bottoms up and top down will give sure, you the sure. user bottoms up will do yes. this i mean i think that's also important why you want to be able to go have a catalog so people can go find these things also and be able to expose what these things are and figure out how they go reuse so um, all right. So much, so much great stuff. All right. Now we have our mesh minute. I told you oh boy. one minute to rant, pontificate, whatever you want about data mesh. Ready, set, 
Go. Okay. Well, um, like I said earlier, the company that I currently work for has had a version of the data mesh for the past decade or so. There were uh, feeds that were basically microservices that were feeding into a centralized data warehouse. And there was a, an enterprise data model. And there was a metrics layer. And there was even reverse ETL. There was an API that you can access. So, so I believe this method of separating kind of the who does what, so data producers, data consumers, whatever those terms are, is conceptually correct. The specific implementations, I have no, no opinions on those. All right. You see, this is an interesting, what I find interesting about, we've been doing this question for, I don't know, the last couple of months and there only a handful of people have like been really critical about it. A lot of people are like, yeah, it's actually a great thing. And people's like, yeah, we've been actually doing it for a while. Let's finally give it a name. Right. And then a lot of it's like, it's more the conceptual part. The implementation is like, ah, I don't care. Just whatever whatever yeah. works from implementation. Do you do microservices? Do you do like a, a separate schema in, in, in the warehouse that's only certain people can see? Whatever whatever works for you. Um, at the end of the day, being able to separate who owns what, like the data producers understand data better, understand the business better, so they can, you know, mess around in with their logic in a more in a way that makes more sense so as to provide a consistent let's call it like a data api to the the, the data consumers that's all an analyst cares about give me a customer with a name an email a date of birth and a transaction with revenue and and, and purchase amount i can do magic i don't and care how you, you how you're describing a data model right there yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> All right, TTT right. uh, Tim, take us away with takeaways. All right, our guest, amazing, amazing chat today. Here's some of the takeaways that I wrote down. So first of all, people have changed their opinions on data models uh, over time. Obviously, we've seen a lot of change throughout history. Um, and um, with modern data stack, data models often have started off as sort of this one-off sort of ad hoc sort of use case or data set, and they kind of evolve from there. You kind of talked about how modeling starts for these different specific use cases, um, you know, and, uh, and, and we haven't in the past been talking to that much about like modeling the business, right? You really brought up this idea that we have to model the, the business uh, and make that a much more central part of how we approach data modeling. And that's, that's, that's not been enough of part of the conversation. It's been more about performance characteristics. It's been more about, hey, here's the, how the data comes out of the application, right? And, uh, and, and we have to kind of change our perspective on that. Um, uh, and, you know, what are some of the pitfalls that happen with that, where you see things like, um, you know, a lot of copy-paste uh, transformations. You see a lot of duplication of logic. You see sort of this, like, layer cake. You called it, like, the data swamp that starts to form around these things. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and then it gets out of control, and, and where do you go from there, right? Um, and you talked about, like, kind of, you know, what is even a data model? Like, what is a data model in this context? And you talked about sort of these three key layers, the sort of the, the physical layer of the data, the logical layer of the data, how we're kind of organizing it, how it joins together, and then the conceptual layer. Um, and the conceptual layer is especially important. That's especially the part that you kind of connected with the business process, the business workflows, that uh, the conceptual layer is who's the customer, who are these different things, um, that that's really important and doesn't get enough airtime. Um, and, and you talked about, you know, like how do you start with data modeling? Um, you you kind of mentioned that like it, it's actually kind of okay that we're starting with this use case oriented approach, right? You got to do what you got to do in order to get the answers you need to. Um, but how do you actually refactor that more? How do you fight the tendency to always want to kind of go to the technical angle of view of it and the ad hoc view of it. And instead, how do you start to focus more on the business angle, the refactoring, the don't repeat yourself? So ton more, but um, I'll pass it over to you, Juan. Uh, what were your big takeaways? No, oh, so many here. So um, 
best practices for data modeling, get the right business stakeholders together, right? This is, this is a people problem right there. And then start looking at the concepts, like what, are the, what, are, what do people care about? Like if you say, we care about a customer, well, let's understand what that customer is and their journey around their entire, your, your business, right? What is that business workflow, that business process? And, and literally we talk like, you should start drawing these things. What are the boxes and arrows of that customer journey? What other cons, what other things show up there, right? And, and I, I was arguing that this is exactly what we need more of this business literacy and, and kind of the techniques is you start identifying a concept. If you're saying a lot of things about that, you want to describe it, that's an important thing. Give it, a, give it an identifier. We talked about the skills and actually your background, right? You started out as an analyst, but you really enjoyed most and you found it very valuable is understanding the business, right? So one of those skills that you really are interested in the business, uh, you're interested in what people actually care about within that business, right? You talk about the finance, like what keeps you up at night? What do you care about these things? Uh, so if you embed yourself in the business, you can really find out the key problem that they need to go solve. And I like what I like what you said. It's like you personally would get a kick out of helping the business users get to their answers. And I think what that really means is that there's a lot of empathy. And I think that's if, if there is one thing I'm going to take away, one thing I'm going to take away from this entire conversation is that the skills that data people need to go have within organization is empathy. Um, and when we start mapping out these concepts. Right. This is the, this is literally the digital representation of the bits and the bytes. The 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 real data work is connecting that that the concepts back to the real world right there. And at the end of the day, we're here to go help the customers and service them better. And finally, during our our our, our lightning round, we talked about the avoid boiling the ocean. It's a hybrid approach, right? Top come get the use cases. You start bottom up with the data, and just like an engineer, software engineering, we're going to go refactor. We're going to iterate and, and follow that drive that drive framework. Don't repeat yourself. Um, Burgess, how did we do? Our takeaways? Anything we missed? That was pretty awesome. Let's not forget about curiosity, though. Oh, love it! Thank you, thank you for reminding me. Empathy <laughs> and curiosity, right? Yes, love this. Um, and yeah, I think culture is, I mean, this is a, this is a cultural thing, right? Um, yep. All right. We, we, we usually strive for an hour. We always go over, but this, is, this has been such an awesome <laughs> conversation. Let me throw it back to you. Three final questions. One, what is your advice about data, about modeling, about life, whatever? Second, who should we invite next? And third, what are the resources that you follow? people that you follow, podcasts that you listen, books that you're reading, conferences that you go to? Well, um, <clears throat> the, on, on, the, on the advice front, uh, because I've had a lot of people, you know, direct message me either on Twitter or LinkedIn asking for specific, everybody asks for where can I get resources to learn specific technical skills, right? Um, how do I move my career up? Um, and in my experience, right, if you already have a job and you're looking to get into the data space, why not start with where you are? Why not ask your manager or your supervisor, whoever it may be, hey, I'm interested in, in learning about data. Can I go and talk to the data team? Can I embed myself in, into the, you could be an analyst, embedded into data engineering team. You could be a, a finance person embedded into an analytics team and kind of see what they do day to day, join some of their meetings, um, eventually take on a project, do it on your own free time. You don't have to do it on company time, but if you want to move up, up on your career, this is what I've done in, in my career. I've looked for opportunities to help with things that I, that I could do or things that I could learn from books, but I always find a project that I can you know, do something with. And eventually maybe it doesn't turn into anything, but you'll learn a valuable skill. Maybe an opportunity comes up and you get to transition onto a new role within the company, which is what I did. I, I went from a product manager onto a data architect. And that's how you, that in, in my experience, this is, the best way to uh, move upwards in your career. A, a lot of people want to go back to school, get a second degree, get a master's degree. That's fine. But at the end of the day, 
like doing actual projects within an, a, a, a context that you understand very well, I believe is the best way to move up in your career. Love that. Do, do projects to move up in your career. All right, quickly, who should we invite next? Oh, man. I, I don't have a list of all the folks that you have actually had on the call on, on, this, on this podcast. Um, I personally would like to see Lars Runback of Anchor Modeling um, fame. And uh, he's, uh, he's come up with this idea of a singular model based on uh, entity relationship six normal form where you explode everything into tables. I'm fascinated by the idea. I'd like to see what he thinks and what he's up to these days. Awesome. And then finally, what is, what is, what, what things do you follow? People want to, what, what are you reading or newsletters or conferences or anything you're going to? Um, the, I, I follow a bunch of newsletters. Um, the one from DBT labs is the one newsletter that I really like, um, that gives me kind of an, an update of where the industry, what the industry is up to, what, what they're up to. Um, I follow a bunch of folks on LinkedIn. Best thing to do is follow one or follow myself and see who we follow and just <laughs> following all the people that we interact with. Same thing with Twitter. Um, and Tim, I, I, I don't know if you're on social media uh, at all, but I, I, I would follow you as well. <laughs> I am. Follow me. All right. I will. I will I, I, but yeah. All right. Is, so takeaway is follow Ergus, Tim, and myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. All right. With that, Ergus, this was a phenomenal conversation. This is a topic that we are not talking enough, and I'm so happy this came out. Uh, thank you so much. And as always, thank you to Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data sec who supports us doing this every, every week. And next week is our season finale, season three, 25 episodes into this. I think it's going to be our episode 95th next week. And it's just Tim and me. We're going to sit down and just going to do a recap of everything that we have learned in the last, I don't know, six months now. Yeah. So that's next week. Look forward to that. Ergus, thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you for having it. me. Let's raise a final toast to the data model. And the uh, this data is model. Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.